Welcome everybody to Comedy on Edge presents the chat show. We are, I'm Mark Williamson, your host, and I'm coming to you live from my lounge. What? Who's the guest? This? I'm confused. What? This intro's gone. Where am I? Who? What? It? Reset. I'm Mark Williamson. I'm the host. Today, this podcast, it's a, well, they're all special, but this one, it's pretty much me alone telling a story. I'm talking about the origins of Comedy on Edge, and I'm talking about Ballsack. What? No, it's not a testicular awareness. Although, if you know, make sure, guys, don't be afraid to check that. I'm talking about a comedian I used to work with called Ballsack. Um, I'm telling some tales. Yeah, that was his name. Um, wasn't high bra- brow like Ballsack. It was Ballsack. So tune in. I'm talking about that pretty much. Yep, 40 minutes talking about Ballsack. Before we get into the episode, a few housekeeping. If you wish to contact us, you can. we have the email sorted. Comedyonedge at yahoo.com. Send through an email. My Twitter has recently changed. It is at MWChatShow. That's at MWChatShow. You can reach me there if you want to tweet me. Um, if you want to tweet me, you want to let me know who you'd like to see on the podcast, you don't see, listen, listen, say, I don't, yeah, got to be a bit more confusing. Um, or if you want to be a guest, tweet me. I'm more than happy to tee things up. Um, I am looking actually at starting to record via Skype. Um, I haven't figured the logistics out of that. Sounds like great in theory, but, you know, we'll see what we can do. So, you know, don't, if, you know, you're in Albuquerque listening to this or Germany, Berlin, Germany, or, you know, Russia. Oh, no, maybe not Russia. I think we'd be censored there. Anyway. Let me know if, yeah, we can do. So, at MW Chat Show or email comedyonedge at yahoo.com. Website is coming. iTunes is coming. Thank you, guys. If you're listening to this via Stitcher, rate and review. If you can, it costs you nothing. Let us know your thoughts. And it really helps algorithms. It helps us get more listeners. It helps spread the word. So, Stitcher at rate and review. And if you like the podcast, share it. Anyway, this intro is a bit too long now. I'm, I'm rambling on. Um, so yeah, sit back, relax, and listen to me talk about my ball sack. Hit the music. Welcome right to the chat show. I'm your host, Mark Williamson, and I'm coming to you live from my lounge. That's right, I'm on the lounge, and my guest this week is... Me. That's right. I'm sitting here in my lounge talking to myself. The door's on. The cricket. The door's open. The door's not on. Oh, maybe the door is on. Huh? This thing on? Hey, my check. Check. One, two. Got to. Anyway, I'm getting distracted already. Basically, I'm sitting here. Let me explain. Um, new listeners. Hello. Thank you for joining. And old listeners. Hello. Normally, the chat show is me chatting to people. I normally get guests, other comics, um, one of the Peters, Mizell or Greeny, or just whoever I find. Now... This week, oh, it's been busy. What hasn't really? Look, we record this in Edge HQ. I used to record this in my old place in Chippendale, which is really close to the city and it's easy for everyone to get to. I've since moved out, not really the suburbs. It's like five train stops away in Sydney. Say around, we'll call it the Ashford area. I don't want to know. I don't want to give you the exact address. That'd be freaky. But yeah, it's basically Sydney's a very big city. Now, there are a couple of comics who live nearby, um, and they're busy tonight. So I thought, I need to record something. I haven't recorded in a couple of weeks. So what I might do is I might have a chat, tell some stories, 
And basically, you know, I'm laying on my couch. If this works, this is going to be awesome. I can podcast to you guys every week. Um, and if it's not, well, you're not going to hear this because I don't have to. I'm recording it. Doesn't mean I'm uploading it. I probably will unless I really do suck. Anyway, I'm rabbiting on and I'll, let's not do that. So just before we get get some stuff underway, um, hopefully it shouldn't be too much background noise. I got the door open because it's a pretty warm night. Um, there's so people walking up and down the street occasionally and you might hear an ambulance very rarely and a plane every now and then, but let's hope that doesn't come into a play tonight and yeah, let's have a chat. So what I want to talk about, let's, let's start this, when this podcast started, it used to be called Comedy on Edge, the podcast, then it became Comedy on Edge presents the chat show, then it just become, now it's currently the chat show or hashtag or at MW chat show. Um, it's all about the brand, man. It's all about branding. No, it's not. Basically, Comedy on Edge was the production company I started oh, 2006, almost 11 years ago. And it's still running. Um, though at the moment, most of the stuff being produced is being done by a very talented man and former guest, Seizure Kaiser. So Seizure kind of has Comedy on Edge at the moment. I'm still doing the chat, the pro- podcast, and occasional projects. So, yeah, that's the reason for the rebranding. But I wanted to talk tonight about when we started the pod. When we start, Comedy on Edge started 2006. I started comedy around 2005, 2006. And pretty much within like 10 gigs, I inherited a comedy room. It used to be at the East Village Hotel. And I inherited it off another former guest, Jonas Holt. He took a break, said, Here, have the room, see what you can do with it. And I, when I say I, I didn't have the room on my own. I had a business partner, or not? A, I say business. It's show business. There was more show in this than business. Basically, the room I ran the room with a guy called by the name of Ballsack, not Ballzack, Ballsack, or Scrow to his friends, as he was known. That's right. He was another comic called. I won't. I won't use his real name just because. He could be a scary individual if he ever... He's not on Facebook, surprisingly enough. He could be in prison. I don't know. But the comic brother was by the name of Ballsack. Now, Ballsack, I met him. You, when you get in starting comedy, you know, your first couple... You know, you just chat. You talk to the other comics. And I met this guy. He's a pretty friendly guy. Um, he had a handlebar mow. He was about the same size as me. He had a chat. Friendly bloke. And, you know, we started... You'd have a few beers. And I thought, wow, this is a real... I've, I think I've made a friend. Then I saw his act. Oh, man. Um, how do I describe balls? Uh, I, I, I can't, normally I should just repeat, like I could do his, I know his jokes verbatim, but I think due to, you know, well, just class decency, racial discrimination laws, I can't really do it. Ballsack, as nice a guy as he was off stage, on stage, he was homophobic, he was racist, and, well, oh, was he misogynist? Well, he wasn't far off. It wasn't. It wasn't highbrow humour, so it was definitely not Balzac. It was Balzac. Let me pretty much... Actually, I'll give you a summary of his act. I won't do it. Balzac used to come on stage. He was a big guy, about the same size as me, and you're going, well, that's really handy, Mark. This is a podcast, unless we've seen you live. And I know a few of you have seen me live. Um, you don't know how big I am. So I'm six foot two, about close, give or take. I'm, I'm 100 kilos, probably a little bit more at the moment. Um, shout out to the... I'm eating M&M's as I record this, so if you're wondering what is he chewing, it's dark chocolate mint M&M's. They are the bomb. A good friend of mine, um, Darren Ting, shout out to Darren. He bought home some dark chocolate mint M&M's from Las Vegas for me. All right. So if any of you are going to Vegas, because uh, they, don't, they don't sell them in Australia anymore, or if M&M's, if you're out there and you want to sponsor a podcast, hook me up with some dark chocolate mint M&M's. But anyway, I'm being digressed. So, ball sack. 
about he wasn't as tall as me, so I'll say he was about six foot. And he was he was big, but he had he was muscly big. I'm big, but oh, there is a bit of muscle in there, but there's not much. Borsay was a pretty intimidating guy, and he would walk onto stage sometimes in a prison jumpsuit. What? I'll get to that later on. He would get on stage and Borsak would stride on the stage. He had confidence. Think of Eddie Murphy strut style. He'd strut on the stage and he's opening. It wasn't a joke. He used to open with a rap. So he'd get on stage, grab the mic and the crowd would just be looking at him like, what's this? And then I feel like I should, sh- I'm laying on my couch. I'm not going to, but I'll, this was how he started his act. To the people over here, to the people over there, to the people, people, people watching the show, paying top dollar. Because, you know, when I'm on stage, you're getting a real rage. So what? Yeah, I bought a 12-gauge. I'm going to show you how Ballsack does it. At this point, he grabs his crotch. So get up, stand up. Come on, suckers. You want some of this? Yeah. Then he'd say something funny. He'd go, most people don't understand my act. That would get a nervous laugh. From there, he was a really good beatboxer. Um, Good beatboxing and bad beatboxing to me is I hate beatboxing. It is just... You want to annoy the crap out of it. You ever want me to leave a party? Start beatboxing. It's I'm sure it's talent. Actually, no, sorry, I lie. There's one act, and I haven't had him on the podcast yet, but I will. Jimmy James. No, I have. Jimmy James Eaton. He was on the episode with John Robinson. He can beatbox, and he's funny at it. Ballsack's beatboxing. This was his second joke, where it was something about his mate, a lesbian friend. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to, I can't do that. It's really bad. Anyway, do that. What other jokes did he do? Um, he used to have a really clever bit about the Cronulla riots. So that's about the time frame you're knowing we're talking about. When was that? That was 10 years ago. Gee, time flies when you're oh, not having riots. So he used to talk about the Cronulla riots. And he had this really clever joke, you know, all these Aussies going on the riots. And he's throwing a lot of slurs. How many of them stopped for a kebab on the way home? Very clever. Until he then started a lot with a lot of Islamic hate. Actually, you know what? The more I think about Ballsack's act now... Borsak's probably, it won't surprise me if I see him in the media soon, as you know, a, a candidate for Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party. Anyway, so Borsak's act was, yeah, it was racist, it was sexist, but I thought, you know, I can put that aside, let's start a room together. And we did. And we started the East Village. The first show was, I think it was April 4th, 2006. Um, the comics that were on, the headline act was Peter Green, who's been on this podcast quite a bit. Um, Billy Freeman, who's been on a couple of episodes, he was also on, and there are a few others around that I, I, I've probably got them written on a list somewhere, but I don't actually remember names. Apologies. I'm sure there was a a guy from Canada who came out. He was quite good. I just can't think of his name. Tyler? I think it was Tyler. Anyway, so the first show was good and we, 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 we kept it going and, you know, 12 years later, you know, I'm, well, I'm, I've stepped away from the production side. I don't run rooms. I did it for about eight years, but now it's on to seizures doing good things. So if you want to check out the Comedy on Edge show, I think it's Chippendale Tuesday nights. We do some shows. So check that out. But let's talk a bit more about Ballsack. So I kind of, I, I've, I just don't feel comfortable doing his act because it's so bad, but I'm not, no, it is. It's clever joke writing, a lot of... He was someone that if he had an editor and someone who could drum through to him, don't be racist, don't be racist, he probably would have gone on to big things because he did have charisma. Anyway, so Ballsack, he he and I ran Edge for our... I think he... He was the only person, I I think probably... The only person to ever get banned from his own comedy room. Um, Ballsack used to... I'd run it. And we we used to get decent crowds. When I say decent, for a comedy room, 20 people is a decent crowd. When I say an open mic comedy room, 20 people 
is a decent crowd. That's what we used to get. And it used to be a stage, I always used to put Ballsack on last because the crowds we were getting in inner city Sydney didn't really like his act. Mind you, the crowds in West, most places didn't really like his act. So he used to do the show, Ballsack would close it, and I used to stand at the bucket, because um, the room with the bucket, because the show was exit by donation. So I'd be just like, you know, I'd stand up the back, people would go, you know, you'd expect, you know, $2, $5, and I'd just sort of stand there. People would generally walk out while Ballsack was on, and I'd sort of, you know, give them a look and sort of maybe say, oh, you know, you want a better, like, better headline act, chip in a bit more money. Kind of worked. We made a bit of money. But Ballsack got kicked out after six months, and it was an eventful six months. I'm not going to talk when he got when I banned him from the room. It was he was racist towards another comic. It was quite awkward. There's no, it wasn't funny. Racism, seriously, we're all human. We all have skeletons. We all, you know, unless the lizard people are real. Um, we, <laughs> I'm not getting into that shit. We all have blood running through us. We're all equal. I don't care, and no one should care where you were born, what your beliefs are. You know. Mock people for who they support in football, not for where they live and what, oh, you know, and definitely don't bag out people for being born in Tasmania. Sorry, that's my, here I am going on segue about racism, you know, this, sorry, I don't want to get preachy on this podcast, don't be right, most people who listen to this aren't racist, oh, I hope not. Ballsack, if you're listening, shout out, mate, I hope you've cured your problems. But anyway, where I'm getting sidelined. It is harder. I'm sitting, I should apologize. I am watching the cricket as I do this. And they're quite, if you want to know, it's Australia-Sri Lanka 2020 night. It's, series is over. Sri Lanka's won. But, you know, Klinger's having a bash. And Finch, I don't know, Aaron Finch, he's just not a player that, I just don't, I don't know. He should have gone on to more, but he's just content to be a 2020 player. Like, he doesn't even get in the Shield side. Okay, I won't turn this into a cricket podcast. Oh, will I? Let me know. Actually, incidentally, hashtags, no, slash at MWChatShow. That's my Twitter handle. You want to chat cricket? You want to say, hey, the podcast needs more conversation about this, that, that, this. Tag me, tweet me, and I'll let you know. But anyway, Ballsack, let me tell you some, I'm not going to get in that story because that's not uncomfortable, but let me tell you some funny stories about Ballsack. So we've talked about his act. Now, Years ago, when I was first studying comedy, uh, back in the day, in my day, when we used to do comedy, yes, it was, we used to do our little skits. <laughs> People still say that to you. Oh, when are you going to do your little... I did a wedding about a couple of years ago, and they're like, oh, we'll get you to do your little skits here. And I'm like, oh, they're not really skits. I'm just getting up and talking about... No. <laughs> I don't know. what what that was a wedding. It was a good gig. But I'm getting sidetracked again. But... So back in the day, there used to be a competition called Green Faces, and it was run by A-List Comedy Company. A-List are a great company. They manage, they're a management company now. Back then, they used to run comedy rooms. Now, they manage comics. Um, they, do, they do do festival shows. They're agents for Carl Barron, Arj Barker, a lot more. Kitty Flanagan, um, who I would love to, All three of those I would love to have on the podcast. Um, I've asked two of them. Um, and the answer, oh, we, Arj, Arj said he'll do it at some stage, but you know, he, he, he's not in Sydney that I, what am I talking about? I'm sitting here talking alone. And I'm talking about future guests. I can't, oh, anyway, I'm getting distracted. I'm, the, the more I think about this, I'm going to have to listen back to this tomorrow. I don't, if you're hearing this, I must've really picked things up or it might make, it must make more sense than what I'm actually sounding about. So anyway, A-list, they manage Carl Barron. And they did, used to do a competition called Green Faces. What it was, it was uh, held at the Canberra Irish Club. I was there once. I can't remember. It's all, I think it's in the outer suburbs of Canberra. Um, 
I'm sure well, you can you can Google this. Why am I trying to give you so much backup information? You're sitting there listening. You're probably listening to this at work, or or if you if you listen to this at the gym, props to you. Um, if you are at a gym with Wi-Fi, Google. If you're at your office, Google. You can Google. I'll tell you if it's something that you shouldn't Google at work. Don't worry, I'll tell you. But this is just where is the Canberra Irish Club in Canberra, and it's not really important to the story anyway. So anyway, it was this competition. A-list used to do it, and it was an open mic competition. So I think it was like if you'd been doing it less than three years or you hadn't earned any money. <laughs> Twelve years later, I'm still not earning a heap of money from this. <laughs> but it's so it would be hell. Yeah, what they do is they used to do six heats, then a final, and the heats were state-based. So what they'd do is they'd get the guys from New South Wales would drive down into Chicago, do the gigs, come back, winner go in the final. They'd fly in Victoria. Perth and Adelaide, I think they did the finals over there and flew the winner in. I'm not sure, and I don't um, – I should ask. I'm sure someone I know has been in the final. Um, Queensland too. And the, I don't – I think the Canberra guys just got lumped in with us, New South Wales. And having said that, like Canberra comedy scene now is very good. There's some great comedians coming out of there. Back when this was on 10 years ago, I don't think there are any rooms there, and it was very fledgling. So the Canberra comedy scene, you've gone – you've done some great things since then. But anyway, the night we did... So this road trip, I did Green Faces. It was a Tarago. So in the Tarago on our trip down was myself, Balsack, um, a very good friend of mine who, who will be on the podcast soon. I've got recently... We lost touch for a couple of years, but I caught up with him the other day. George Panner. He, uh, I think I've talked about him a bit. You'll hear more about him in this story. He was in the car. There was another comedian, Dana. I can't think of the, her name. She doesn't do comedy anymore. Um, and that was the Tarago. And because we had a spare seat, a couple of comics cancelled. We, a friend of ours, Mikey Milios, who's in America now, we said to Mikey, you're free. Come on down with it. He came with us anyway. He didn't perform, but he just came and hung out. Because, you know, you're comics. What do you do? So we drove down. And it's it was the very first road trip for comedy I've done. And since then, I've done a lot. And this was still probably the the funnest um we were driving down i was in i had the this is back in the days of no there was no ipods there was no streaming there was no spotify we had a cd we had i think i bought pearl jam 10 and it we were having so much fun i think it was a, it was a live was pumping on the you know i'm in the front head banging george and we were all having banging luke ballsacks oh shit i just gave his name out beep forget i said luke um Balsack, Balsack, not Luke, Balsack was driving and he's drumming, he's air drumming along. Because if you have never driven to live, and it was really going well, so we sort of, I looked over at the speedo and, you know, Balsack's hit 200. We sort of, oh, whoa, whoa, okay, let's tone this down. Maybe we'll go to Jeremy and calm things down. So we got there. Um, on the way, we pulled into a truck stop just outside, truck, a petrol station. Oh, it is a truck stop. A petrol station outside. I think we were not because the van was petrolled up. We did it so we could get some drinks, supplies, and use the bathroom. Now, this truck stop, petrol station, whatever you want to call it, it's still there. And it's got this great feature. I went in to use the bathroom and I was standing at the urinal or the trough. Does anyone call it the trough other than trough boy? I could do a whole episode on trough boy. Um, Yeah, not everyone knows who trough boy, the legend of trough boy. That, that little line is for someone out there that some of you may know it, some of you won't. Don't don't Google that at work. Who is Trough Boy? Is he still kicking? I don't know. But I went into the urine and I noticed that there was a window 
right next to the urinal. So for some reason, I just opened. It was one of those slide windows. So I slide it out, and I was looking out. I could see the car park, and I thought, you just never know what will happen here. Anyway, I went outside, and I went back to the car, and then I said, oh, where's Panna? And they said, oh, he's in the toilet. I thought, oh, this would be funny. So what I did is I got a, I got a bucket of water. <laughs> yeah, you know where this is going, some of you. I snuck up to the window and I could I, I didn't look in because you know I'm not I'm not a pervert, but I could hear Panna was making use of the trough, um, or urinal, whatever you'd like to call it. it was I reason I call it a trough is because it was more a trough than a urinal. It was, didn't go down to the floor. It was like a little metallic. Th- anyway, why am I talking about what the urinal looked like? It has no relevance to this story. So Panna's there having a pee, and I thought let's have a bit of fun. So I sneak up to the window, and then all of a sudden I go, Panna! And, oh, and, and then I threw the bucket of water in on him. And he's the poor guy's nervous wreck. He's peeing all over the... What the bloody hell are you doing, Emta? You blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he was pissed for the next couple of... The next 20 minutes in the car. All he's like, you know I have a bloody heart condition. Panna's a little bit older than me. At the time, he was about... Next week, I'm going to his 50th birthday, and this was 10 years ago, so do the math. So he's about 40. He was He's in great shape now, but back then, he was a smoker. He wasn't wasn't the most athletic, so he's I, I scared the absolute crap out of him, and it was funny to me, to ball sack, to everyone other than Panna, who's, you know, and probably the poor bastard who had to clean up the, the toilets in the truck stop, because Panna pissed everywhere, plus the bucket of water I threw in there on him, sort of, yeah, so apologies to that cleaner, um... Uh, yeah, oh man, that was fun. Yeah, I had fun with that. Anyway, we get to Canberra and we get to the gear. We get to, we got to stay in a hotel, and this was good because Dana, the f- she, the female, the female comment. I don't. Sorry, that's how I. I'm only pointing out she's female because when we get to the hotel, there was three rooms allocated to us. One was to the headline act who flew in, who didn't drive. Little comic by the name of Eddie Ift. You might have heard of him. Uh, yeah, Eddie. Eddie was the headline comic, and we had a ball. I'll get. I might tell some Eddie stories later. Um, the other two rooms were supposed to be split between the comics, and it was sort of you know done a fair point. Donna, well, Donna said, "Oh, I'd like the room to myself." And we're like, "Yeah, we're not going to argue." So me, Panna, um, George, and Mikey, we all had this. Uh, it was a big room. There was bunk beds. There was George. Because he had a heart condition for me scaring the crap. He got the queen size bed in a single room. The other reason he also got that was because he's a massive snorer. Um, he told us that and we thought, oh, yeah, whatever. You're just doing this to get the um, free, to get the room. But then, you know, a couple of hours later, gee, he can snore. Um, ball sack, myself and Mikey. We all, you know, Mikey had a couch because there wasn't enough room. I got the top bunk. No, I got the bottom bunk. Balls, I said, I didn't plan on sleeping. So I said, choose whatever you want. And I didn't. I went the whole, we were there 48 hours. No, we were there overnight. So we were there 24 hours. I didn't sleep in the whole time. And I did that without chemicals. I, I can go without sleep a fair amount of time. So I didn't need a bed because I was like, yeah, I've got other things to do. So I'll get to that a bit later. So we get there and then we get to the gig. Now the Canberra Irish Club was packed. It was, it had like a function room. I would conservatively guess there was about 300 people at this gig. This was by far the biggest gig I had done to date. No, sorry, a lot. It's, no, it felt bigger. Like, it's about the same size as the comedy store, but it just felt bigger. Like, it was my first big gig. Eddie Ift was there, was the MC slash headliner, and he was, um, he was, a, he was, that week he'd been on Rove Live and the footy show. So he'd done a few shows. People, you know, he walked around, people knew who Eddie was. So I was like, it was a big gig, and it was fun. So we get there, we're all backstage. And when I say backstage, it's not like this elaborate green room with couches, catering. 
It was a bunch of stacked chairs, a little stool, and there was an esky full of beers. I think that might have been a Coke or something, but that's... Anyway, I, I'm not a drinker, so it didn't really phase me. Now, the show, the format of the night was Eddie was the MC. He'd bring us all on. I think there were six of us all up, and Eddie would close the show with a headline, and the vo- audience voted on who their favorite comedian was. So they had little ballot papers there. I went first. Now, normally, you shouldn't... In a comedy competition like this, it kind of matters where you go, but it doesn't really. Like, usually the best... Like, the best... If you're ever in a competition and you you get to choose your spot, you want to go last or second last. Because when they go to vote, if you nail your set... That said, if it's a competition where there's like 40 or 50 different comedians, it doesn't matter where you go. Oh, first. But yeah, this one was... I was in the first and I thought, "Ah, I wasn't wasn't doing this to win. I would have liked to... Like, I should mention... The prize for green faces was if you made the if you won it, A-list pretty much signed you. They gave you some um, paid gigs, which were like that was like gold, and they signed you. Now over the years, some great comics. I think Arn Doe won green faces. Um, Dave Eastgate, who's around the who's doing great things, he won it one year. Some really good names went on. I I should look up the list. Some really great comics have won it. Um, yeah, the year we were, I can't, I, I, should, no, I shouldn't say that because I don't actually remember who won. But anyway, I'm getting it. I'm jumping ahead of the story. So we're doing this comedy competition. I was on first and so Eddie warmed the crowd up and Eddie's a brilliant comedian. 300 people. He had them really good. I get on first and I'll be honest, I didn't die, but I didn't bring the house down. I got solid laughs. I held my own. I had a good set. I was happy with it. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty honest with myself. Like I know how, I generally know how I go on stage. We all do, but you know, I'm not one of those guys who go, yeah, I killed man. I destroyed. Let's be honest. I did very, I did as well as could be expected. I could have done a little bit better, but heck I could have done a lot worse. I was happy with my set. I get off stage. There was a couple of other acts on done. Everyone did really well in the first half. Oh, sorry. There was a break. Um, my mate, George, George is a brilliant comedian. He's a deadpan comedian. He's very slow. He didn't have the best set, and it wasn't his fault. Now, I know that you're going, oh, come on, Mark. You know, it's the crowd. There are some people in that audience now who I think in about two years' time will get some of George's jokes. They were subtle jokes. They required a bit of thought. So George didn't have a great set that night. Now, normally as a comic, you know you should, and this is listen to all the young comics out there, record everything you do. Not just so you can, you know, put it on YouTube, get the hits, man, put it on Instagram. No. So you can watch it and see what you've done. Because genuinely, if you have a bad show, you, you shouldn't, like I know, I can, I don't, I don't record myself. I um, tape, I, I do tape with my phone because I genuinely know if I have a bad gig, it's usually, I'm usually too fast. And I know I'm probably going to listen back to this podcast and go, yeah, you're going too fast. Or... I, yeah, that's genuinely what does it for me. Or some nights, you know, I can tell I'm not interested. I know that's shocking to say, but there are some nights you've got, you really have to be ready to perform. Um, but so just in, on this night, like normal, I like, I can, if I was analyzing my own set, I did pretty well. Um, there's a couple of jokes I rushed and, you know, I could have milked a little bit more. That's the hardest thing. When you start out in comedy, when you get a laugh, you want you like that's the greatest feeling in the world. But sometimes just holding back and not starting your next joke just till that laugh is built is really it's it's a hard skill to learn. I early on my first ever gig at Mike in Hand, which is Thursday nights, Glee, it's still on. 
probably my favourite room in that or Wollongong are my favourite rooms in Sydney. All the stories too, but I don't get up there that much. But mic in hand, I remember the first time I did a set there, I did I killed. Like I don't mean to brag. I got real like it was a packed room and everything hit. It was just like watch watch it was like watching a wave of laugh. Like the crowd would get the laugh and go to the back. And that was just such a great feeling. I got up for five minutes and I did really, really well. And I was feeling chopped. And then the headline act, who is probably one of my top, he's been on this podcast, Tommy Dean, one of my favorite comics ever. He got up and he, if I thought I killed, Tommy absolutely destroyed. You see, where I was getting laugh that was going to the back of the room, Tommy's laughs were going back, four, but it was just, he. I learned a lesson that night where don't be happy with that, get it. But like, I'm not, you know, this was me. I think at the time it was my 20th gig compared to Tommy Dean doing, you know, I'd, Tommy's been doing heaps of gigs. And yeah, it was just a lesson. And if you're a new comic out there, listen, tape any set you do. And when I say any set, if you ever get a chance at Raw Comedy or one of the bigger, if you're doing, performing to a crowd of more than 30, there's no disrespect. Like the smaller the crowd, you can work some great nights. But if you want to learn about pacing, because it's really hard when there's two people in the crowd, even if one of them's laughing their head off, it doesn't hold a room. But just learning that when to go on to the next joke is one of the toughest things. you Because as a comic, you do not want silence or talking. That is your worst nightmares. So sometimes you sort of overcompensate, but I must talk, I must talk, noise, 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 and you mess up the whole routine. Anyway, on this night, that's not what happened to George. It was just wasn't his night. Now, honestly, there's not much more he could have done. His act was great, his job, but they just didn't buy it. For whatever reason, the crowd that night didn't buy him. And we'll get to the later point. That's probably a good thing. I'm Now, Balsack was the last comic on. Just before him, there was a guy called Byron. I won't use his surname because I like Byron doesn't do comedy anymore. I think he's a lawyer. That's not why I'm doing it. And if, objectively, if this competition was judged... Byron should have won this night. Like, he he killed. He was charismatic. His jokes were funny. Owned the stage. Great laughs. He absolutely killed. Byron, you were robbed, mate. You really should have won that competition. And you're probably going, well, hang on. You haven't told us. Hang on. If you did if you did okay but not great, Byron did great and didn't win. Panna died. Dana did. Who else? Was there a mystery? No. Ballsack won. Now, Remember earlier I said his act, he wore a prison prison suit? So he came out on stage in an orange jumpsuit. He did the rap, to the people over here, to the people over there. He did the le- his bit about the lesbian DJ. He did his bit about, geez, he did pretty much racist greatest hits. But he added a new joke, which I'd never heard before. And the joke was, it wasn't really a joke. It was more a statement. Yeah, I was in prison and I raped Chopper Reed. That got a clapping ovation, ladies and gentlemen. Ballsack, like literally, he did 10 minutes. Like It was a 10-minute spot. I did about seven minutes. Ballsack did 10, pretty much on the dot. And when he left, it was a standing ovation. He absolutely destroyed. The crowd loved him. We're all, I was sort of side of stage. I was watching. I wasn't actually backstage. We knew he won. Now, so we're all, Ballsack comes off stage and he's beaming. And, you know, despite his acts, you know, we were mates. I, I, you know, it's, he's kind of like that. He's kind of like that dodgy uncle. We were like, you know, he was a mate. He's sort of so. After this, Eddie does his headline act, and now what they did, they had a little bit while that was going on. Someone, I think, it was one of the bar staff or someone from A list, went around tabulated the votes. They didn't really need to count this time, 
But Eddie, Eddie Ift now, Eddie Ift can be a prick. I think he's actually got a business card that says that. What Now, normally what they do is, you know, they bring everyone out, thank them, and, you know, they all renounce the winners. Eddie got us all up and got us to say a couple of things on why we should be winning on the night, even though the votes are being taken. So, fuck you, Eddie, <laughs> you prick. So we had to get stand up in front of this crowd. You know, balls, they were ball sacks. But I was first up, and they're like, so, Eddie's like, so, Mark, why do you think you should win? And I'm not stupid. I said, oh, I... Vote for Ballsack. He deserved it. That got me cheers and a couple of beers bought later in the night. So I was smart. Anyway, Ballsack won. I think of the 300 people there, he won like 200. He got 200 odd votes. Like maybe two, almost 300 votes. And if you're judging on performance, he probably does. Like, yeah, he won pretty, pretty easily. So he won. Everyone's good. It was a good night. Like, Panna didn't have the best show. We were having fun, you know. We were in Canberra. We had drink cards. We had people coming up to us. You know, Eddie, we were hanging out with Eddie Ift, who was pretty, he's a pretty good, even though I've just called him a prick, an asshole. <laughs> he's a pretty good bloke. Um, and we were having a lot of fun. Anyway, we were all backstage in the little cubicle room. And we were sort of debating, oh, what are we going to do now? Do we go back to the hotel for beers? Do we kick on? We kicked on. But at this stage now, so it was, I think it was me, Ballsack, and Panna. Oh, George Panna were there. And it, no, Eddie wasn't there. He was out selling his merch, which was a CD. Um, it's a good one. I've got it. Um, so we're backstage, and in my head, the door burst open. But in reality, it probably opened. And this guy walks in, and he was huge. I remember I walked in. I was I mentioned earlier. I'm six foot two, boss. This guy would have been at least six six, and he was he was a big build, but not like muscly stubble. He was like. You know that wiry, muscly type of guy? The type of guy that, like, if a big guy in a fight, you think, oh, you know, you might be able to take him because, you know, you can either run or hit. This guy just looked like he could kill. He'd either going to punch you or lock you up Brazilian jiu-jitsu style. So I was like, oh, fuck, this is not going to... Sorry if I swear, but I was pretty torn. Now, at this stage, I was sort of back... I was next to the Esky, and I wasn't... I do drink, but not VB. That's all they had. I had a VB in my hand, and... I think in my head, this like, oh, just have something just in case big guy goes nasty. But, I, yeah, I, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have gone, mate, you want a beer? I'm not a fight. I've never thrown a punch in my life. I'm 37 years old. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty proud of that. I don't really, when I say at a person, I've thrown, I've hit, a, I've hit the boxing bag. I know I'm pretty good on a speedball, but not an actual person. So, anyway, the big guy comes in and he goes, hey, boys, good show. And he looks at me and I'm like, oh, he goes, you were funny. My missus thought you were funny. I'm like, oh, thanks, mate. Just doing my best. Good on you. Turns to Panna and goes, don't give up your day job, son. You sucked. Panna's like, yeah, whatever. Um, then he turns to Ballsack. He goes, you, you know how this is done. You are a master. He goes, boys, and he points at me and um, George. He goes, you can learn from this guy. Because you see, this guy's act. Unlike He goes, and he <laughs> looked at me, he goes, your act's not relatable, mate. It's funny, but it's not relatable. This guy's act's relatable, you see? Because he talks about being in prison. And I've been in prison. <coughs> yeah, he just said that. I've been in prison. And I related to this. Now, I caught up with George Panner recently, and neither of us can remember who said the next line. I'm 90% sure it was me. 
And George George thinks it was too, but he can't rule out that he didn't say it. Both of us agree that whoever said it, this is possibly the stupidest thing ever said anywhere. Well, other than, yeah, I think, Donald Trump, you should run for president. That's up there. But anyway, this was... So he just said how he related to Borsak because he's been in prison. Let's assume for the sake of the story, I said it because I'm pretty sure I did. I'm like, oh, so mate, you've been in prison. In his act, he talks about Chopper Reed, raping Chopper Reed. In prison, did you rape or were you raped? Yeah, I fucking said that. Now, at this stage, I could see Balsack. This is how, despite him being racist, homophobic, misogynic, he's a pretty good guy because he could have thrown me under the bus. They could have done a joint killing. They could have, you know, I, I could have been a dead man. Or Panna, whoever said it. I'm pretty sure it was me. At this stage, Balsack ripped the VB out of my hand, turned to the guy and said, mate, we need to get on the beers. And the guy goes, you're damn right we do. And he sculled this VB. Thankfully, the VB put, and this guy, Borsak said, let's go get, let's go do shots. So they went off to the bar. They left. And just as they did, Borsak sort of turned around and gave me that look like, what the fuck were you thinking? And I'm like, yeah, I didn't know. So Borsak and his mate went on to go drinking. Me and Panna sort of, we asked for security to escort us to the van. No, it wasn't that bad. He'd forgotten about it, thankfully. But it was just, geez, it was stupid. If ever you think, if you've got a bit of adrenaline and you think of a really good comment, you think this is a really good zinger, size up who you're saying it to first. Hold that thought. Because I, sh- I could have really got my head killed for that comment. Or, or worse, I could have been prison raped in Canberra. So anyway, after that night, we ended up going into the city with Eddie Ift. And it was a great night because Eddie had just been on row of the footage, as I said earlier. So he, we're getting into every club. We're, not just every club. We're getting into VIP rooms. Drinks are being handed to us. People are coming. And Eddie was a good guy because everyone's coming. Oh, you're that comedian. Who are these guys? He goes, oh, they're my opening acts. This is the next jet. These are the next. You know, we're going on. We're having, we had an absolute blast. I think we got back to the hotel at about 5 a.m. This stage, we're pretty, you know, we've, we're pretty. I, was, I, I don't drink that much. I wasn't that hammered. I was just stoked to just be hanging out and telling stories. So I was pretty happy. And when we got back to the hotel... Panna went off to sleep. Jeez, he can snore. Balsack sort of went to sleep. Mike, Mikey, I think he was, he went back. No, I can't tell. Mikey didn't make it back to the hotel. He met someone in Canberra. Um, Yeah, it's not really my story to kiss and tell, but we got him the next day anyway. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Anyway, we won't get into that, Mikey. Yeah, shout out. No, let's move on. Anyway, I thought at this now, this was my first trip to Canberra, and I'm a pretty big, those who follow me know I like, I've got the un-Australian, I like politics. I thought, ah, we're only down the road. I'm not, I've got that much adrenaline and Red Bull in me. I'm not going to sleep. Might go for a walk. So I rugged up, went outside. Jesus, cold in Canberra in, in, it was August. So I rugged up and I went for a walk. I walked around Parliament House. It was this stage about 5 a.m. The sun was coming. It was, no, the sun wasn't coming up. What am I talking about? It was pretty good. And I thought, oh, you know, while I'm here, I'll go check out the lodge. Now, this is the part where this is Mark's second stupid thing to do for the night. So I went to the lodge and I'm walking around. Now, I had, I had, I had, no, I had my jeans on. I had a hoodie on. And I had my hoodie on because it was cold. And I'm sort of walking around. I'm taking photos. The lodge has guards. And the, uh, two people, what are you doing? Why? What? Just taking photos. Why? I'm a tourist. Why you got a why you got a hoodie on? It's cold. And move on. So I got moves on from Lodge. I could have got 
I don't think they would have shot me because, you know, they're not going to do that. But anyway, got back. We had a great trip. And it was a fun trip. But, yeah, it was – Balsack won. Now, I mentioned earlier, the win- this was a heat. Balsack went into the finals. Now, the next part of the story for this is I'm not sure. I have never actually – I'm good friends with the guys from A-List, but I've never asked them what happened. But Balsack went into the finals. And the person who won this competition – was going to go on to do some paid work. Now, Ballsack's act, it worked well in Canberra. It was an anomaly. He's not going to, like, you, they can't have an agency that does these big acts representing someone who's racist, homophobic, sexist, miso- and, well, yeah, bigoted too, because I suppose, yeah, Islam's not a race, is it? No, it's not, but it's a religion. Anyway, oh, you know what? I, what's one of my things? If ever I get like a billion dollars, I'm going to sponsor the Melbourne Cup and call it the Islam Cup. Just so next time someone goes, oh, Islam's not a race. I go, well, actually it is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just bringing some jokes into this thing. What? So anyway, Ballsack went into the final. Now at this stage, the final, I think, I think it was supposed to be MC by Carl Barron. I think. Um, but on the night, so I talked to Luke. He, I didn't go down to the final because I didn't make it. Luke went down there, and I think actually this was the year Eastgate won it. If so, it was a right. He was the right person to win it. Maybe I. I know that Eastgate was in the final because Luke was telling me about it. Oh, so why do I keep calling Ballsack? Ballsack. His name is Ballsack, not Luke. Don't Google Luke Ballsack. I don't. I've never. I've never actually. I have looked him up on Facebook. He's not there. But anyway. So there, the final was supposed to be Carl Barron. They, at the last minute, it got switched to Akmal. Now, I'm not, I've never asked about this, but I don't think it was a coincidence because Ballsack does his act. The anti-Islamic stuff that he does doesn't really go over well, especially when the crowd loved Akmal. Ballsack, in his own words, he died. He did not have a good gig. He did not win. That was the end of it. So Ballsack did not win that night. Um, that's I do. I'm a strong believer in the comedy gods because Ballsack, you know, Ballsack's no longer in comedy, and I don't know where he is. I hope wherever he is, he's found happiness. Because um, yeah, there's other. I I almost maybe down the track if I do track him down, I'll sit him down on this podcast. We'll have a chat because yeah, the race, the race. I shouldn't harp on about it, but. It was pretty, yeah, it was pretty nasty to say sort of the effects of racism on just in comedy. Like, as comedians, we are arti- we should be above this. Like, I believe comedy is about, to an extent, social change. I mean, you step on stage, your number one goal should be to be funny. You shouldn't go up there to want to save the world. If you do that, that's a bonus. And over the time, history, comedy has done a lot. I mean, you know, Richard Pryor or back further, so Lenny Bruce changed culture to an extent. You know, African-American rights through to that extent. But, yeah, racism has no place in comedy. The days of, you know, the Rodney Roods, Kevin Bloody Wilson, they're done. We should be we should be a society striving to be better. So if Borsak does listen to this, mate, I'm sorry I've slated you, but you you know your act. You know. You're a good bloke um, and hopeful. And he's, that's the thing that always struck me about this guy. On stage, his act was so offensive, so... It was hurtful to people, but off stage he was a nice guy. Like I'm pretty sure he's the type of guy in the street that would stop if you he'd pull over and help you change your tire. But well, as long as you're white, I'm guessing. <laughs> Sorry, that was. But yeah, I just don't. I don't. Un, racism something I've never really understood. And yeah, so thank you for indulging me on this. So I think I've talked about Ballsack. Let me know. Like this podcast, I want your feedback. I love doing this. I genuinely, it's my favorite thing in the. This and the un-Australian. 
are me in my happy places. I'd love to do it. Now, the, pod, the reality of this podcast is it costs me money. I don't make money off this. Um, about a thousand of you, give or take, tune into this every week. That's a lot of people. Um, not quite enough. I mean, if every one of you gave me a dollar for a podcast, uh, I'm not going to ask for money. Um, I could probably do this full time. But, you know, I, I need to pay the rent. I need to buy M&Ms. And I need to pay, you know, I've got I got it. My TV needs power, um, so I do need to do other things. So that's why I do the comedy, other stuff. I, I get a little bit yeah. So, um, but I, I do want to do this. I, I don't care. Like, there's a thousand listeners at the moment. That's great. If there was only two people listening, I'd still heck. If there's no one listening, I'd do this every week. Um, so thank you. If you want to be contribute, tweet at MW Chat Show. I do have more ball sack stories. This was this was different for me telling this story. Normally, when you tell a story, you like someone to bounce off of. Um, but I thought I'd just see what tonight sounds like. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, if you have, let me know. Or if you want guests, also let me know. Um, also, shout out, if there's anyone out there who wants to produce a podcast, let me know because there's a lot of work. And as I said, there's no money. Well, there is if you can make it. If you can, you know, we've done live shows in the past that have made some money. I'd, I'd, I'd consider adver- advertising. If you can organize all that, you can keep a good percentage of the money. Um, what what do I, what is what does a producer do? What I'm looking for is someone who can help me organize records, find a space to do it. Or I can find spaces, help me book guests, pretty much help me coordinate, do the editing, do all the whatnot. And like I said, it wouldn't be a paid role, but it'd be commission. If you could earn money from this, I'm happy to share it with you. So yeah, tweet at MW Chat Show, or you know, if you want to go. You know, this is kind of businessy. Email me at Comedy on Edge. Um, yeah, I'm happy. The other thing with producers is you genuinely get to be on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, not like, you know, within reason. You'd have to be good. Like, I don't just want someone to just, you know, yeah, I can't think of, how would you be bad? Uh, I suppose you could just sit here and say, say uh, anyway, if you want to be at, let me know. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for your support. Um, yeah. I guess that's just about me. I've talked for 40 minutes. Um, for those wondering what the score is, Australia's one for 103, Klinger's on 34. And my boy, Tazzy's own, Ben Dunk, is on 11, 11 off 10. So hopefully he'll get it. They're doing a good score. If only they did this in the first game. Anyway, you know I'm a proud Tasmanian. This is a good game, actually. We've got Tim Payne, Dunk from, Dunk from Tazzy, Faulkner. Tazzy's taken over the world. Anyway, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I'll hit the music. <laughs>